Hi, we're your hosts, Larray Spindler and Lori Suba, and we're commercial real estate brokers with Scout Real Estate in Calgary. And you're listening to Leasing Out Loud. Hi, you're listening to episode number 63 of Leasing Out Loud with your hosts, Lori Suba and Larray Spindler. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening. This episode, we're going to continue our chat on some best practices. And we're going to dive into signage, which is another one, another hot topic. We covered parking in our last episode. This time, we're going to dive into signage. We're going to talk about some of the differences you see between office and industrial. Right. The different types of signage you see in each one of those markets and what come with an additional cost. Mm -hmm. What doesn't? Hint, it costs the tenant always. (laughs) But we'll dig into different ways, like how the lease is structured. Yeah, lots of information we're going to cover here. And signage is important because at the end of the day, if you have clients or folks trying to find you Mm -hmm. as a business, you want to be able to be seen. And so there's lots of different signage, actually, when you think about it, that is available for a tenant, right? So maybe let's kick this off with the office side. So we have lots of signage options at our disposal. Mm -hmm. There is typically directory board signage. These are those directory boards that you typically will see within a main floor lobby. Yes. They'll tell the tenant name, it'll show the floor or the unit number that they occupy, Mm -hmm. and that allows guests to quickly be able to find them and go up to the floor. Once you're on the floor, there's usually directional signage So they might have arrows that suggest head this away if you want to find unit 101 and this away if you want to find unit 102. So there's different directional signage that might be in place at the elevator lobby level. And then in addition to that, often tenants will have signage at their door. So that might be a small nameplate. That might be a splashy vinyl application that's put on a glass door as an Mm -hmm. example. So there's lots of different items that are available. Great info, Lori. Now, for all of those interior signage options, how is the cost covered? So you gave a sneaky clue already, Larray, in that the tenant always pays. Typically they do. (laughs) So it's negotiated as part of the offer. Nine times out of 10, it is a cost to the tenant to deal with the signage. So it's either captured in the operating costs and the landlord may do that work. Say they may change the names out on the directory board or add a name on an elevator lobby, Mm -hmm. directory sign. But typically that would be recouped in the operating costs. They may charge the tenant directly for that as a chargeback. Often the front door, that splashy vinyl signage or... You know, that nameplate that's fancy that might have the tenant's logo. That's something that typically the tenant would organize and pay for. And so the one thing to know, you do need to have landlord's approval in almost every instance prior to installation of any signage within the building. So you have to provide a mock-up if you're doing that splashy vinyl. Mm -hmm. You have to share what it's going to look like and you have to get their consent Basically, it's from the property manager to proceed. So that's something just to be aware of as well. Right. And most tenants will want to have a splashy logo if they can. Sure. But some buildings just have quite generic 
building standard signage. And yes. sometimes a building doesn't allow you to deviate from that mm-hmm. at all. They Good want you point. to have the all caps, black letters <laughs> on your suite door, right? So you can run into that. So it's not always allowed where you can have your logo. Don't do it to squelch everyone's creativity and <laughs> right. be boring. At the end of the day, landlords will say they're doing that because they want to have a consistent aesthetic throughout the building. And what can happen is if you suddenly have a bunch of splashy doors, the inside of your corridors, the interior of your space can suddenly become a little cluttered. And so landlords might say, we have specific signage criteria that need to be adhered to. And they're doing it not because they're not being grinchy signage people. They truly just want to have a clean, consistent aesthetic throughout the building. Yes. And while not every tenant might like that, but ultimately it does help to keep a building looking professional, right? Less busy. Usually the less busy, the better. But every landlord, it's up to them how they want their building managed. Totally. So it's their decision. So that covers off the interior signage. Exterior signage in the office world, less common. Less common. For smaller buildings, there might be pylon signs. Yes. There may even be, for some, call it professional office buildings, they may have exterior signage. Most often on the lowest level of a building, Mm -hmm. we have seen some start to creep up a little bit, and it (laughs) does look a little bit cluttered sometimes when that happens, but usually kind of just for the main floor tenant as an example, Sometimes there's the flashy signage at the top of the building, like building naming rights sign on top. Yes. I was joking with Larray and my landlord and broker friends will laugh. We always joke. It's sort of the kiss of death. As soon as a tenant (laughs) changes the building name to be the actual company name, Mm -hmm. suddenly, generally, often they can find themselves out of business. I don't know what it is. It's like this weird thing, but it can be a bit of a kiss of death. to put your name on the top, but some will still do it. And there are tenants that have, and they're still in business and they're fabulous and they're doing great, but yeah. it can it be. like the odds may not be great. It's superstition. <laughs> it's, it's call it commercial real estate superstition. Yeah. So that's one possibility as well in the office world. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we found sometimes a landlord, they have good intentions and they allow tenants to have different types of exterior signage Mm -hmm. all over the building. And it usually creeps Mm -hmm. in over time, right? This isn't something that happens overnight. It's usually, you know, oh, you've granted it to one tenant. Oh, now the neighbor would like to have a sign too. And if it's all different logos and names and colors and fonts, this does happen. And usually the landlords, they have really great intentions and they're really just trying to be a good landlord and right. appease their tenants in the building, right. keep people happy. But what does end up happening over time is it really does end up to look cluttered and it almost always has an adverse effect It does on the presentation of the building, the curb appeal, kind of the value that people place on the building with you the aesthetic. an inch, they take a mile. Right. Away. Okay. So Great suddenly example. you find yourself with huge purple font mm-hmm. and this weird logo yeah. splashed across the building. And right. it's really hard to claw back from that. So once you've permitted one, suddenly you find yourself permitting the next and the next and the next until all of a sudden it is a signage schmozzle yes. and you have to try to like pull the reins back in. Yes. And then once you've given rights on signage, it's really tough to take them away. So something mm-hmm. to be mindful of for sure for our landlord clients is they're contemplating 
signage criteria. Yes. Just to think about. And for tenants out there, sometimes they can get a signage criteria from a landlord that is a 10-page document. And it can be really daunting. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, why is this? Why, why are they is, so difficult? All these details, really. <laughs> but that is usually when they have criteria, they have building standards. And that's to just ensure that each group, they have a allocated size. You know, there's mm-hmm. a specific height and width that the sign can be. Or sometimes it can be no one's allowed an illuminated sign. Right. Or everyone is. Mm-hmm. And just trying to keep things really streamlined. Clean. Clean. Okay. Consistent. Yes. So that covers off exterior. Right. Now we talked about on interior signage, who pays for those, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a chargeback or right. in operating cost. Right. Now exterior signage, this is one where it's not an operating cost at all. This no. is really a case where tenants pay all expenses. They pay for the permit. They pay for the sign itself. They pay for any restoration. Yeah. Yeah, Maintaining it. it. Comes off the building or Mm -hmm. any damage from removal. There's not usually a cost to building signage, like an additional monthly cost. Of course, the tenants have to pay to get it Mm -hmm. in place. Mm -hmm. But usually where there is an additional monthly cost Mm -hmm. a tenant can expect to pay is on those pylon signage. Right. right. And they may sometimes, depending on, you know, if it is that splashy top of building sign, that could be something that's negotiated as part of the deal that they have to pay a certain, you know, monthly amount or annual amount to have that sign up there and the right to have that sign up there. So it can happen, but you're right, Larray, pylon signs, typically they're charged on a monthly basis for your name to be on the pylon. And can depend to if it's a, an illuminated sign. Sometimes mm-hmm. the landlord has to factor in that, hey, there's the utility cost there to is. operate and run that sign. So mm-hmm. those costs are incurred by the tenant. But it's just something to be thinking about. Don't forget the restoration piece because that's a surprise one that businesses can find themselves suddenly having an additional cost when they go to move out. Mm-hmm. Often they are responsible for restoring or removing the signage and any damage associated with removal. So that can be something that could be an additional cost that people might not have a line of sight on. Yes. And keeping in line with restoration talk, just a tip for our landlord listeners is to communicate that early. Right. In advance, you know, it's usually a month in advance. You're sending a group a letter mm-hmm. of like what they need to take care of. Mm-hmm. But even don't wait that long. Right. Even just have a chat. Like if you know a group is going to be leaving, right. just make sure they know because sometimes they can move out and leave the sign. They don't have a clear understanding of their expectations moving out and then mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. to do the work, try and chase them right. for the cost. So just the clearer you can be. Agreed. the most notice as possible. Well, and the helps. other thing that just came to mind as we're talking, Larray, and I'm sure everyone listening that is a broker or landlord, and even a tenant might have gone into a space where signage has been removed and literally ripped off the wall. Yeah. And then there's damaged drywall mm-hmm. left behind. It's really unsightly. So again, landlord friends, like you have language within your lease that they are to restore and, and make good any damage that they cause. We'd recommend enforcing that because at the end of the day, we've all toured spaces where we're thinking, oh my goodness, if only they hadn't ripped the letters, you know, XYZ company right off the front reception. It looks awful. 
either fix it before you're marketing it Mm -hmm. or have the tenant make sure that they're doing that restoration and making good of the damage caused by the removal of the signage because it doesn't do you as a landlord any favors. It's unsightly for tenants and brokers that are touring space to see that. So just a little tip as well. Great point, Lori. So that covers off kind of the signage that we see in the office world. Right. Industrial is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. There's not the common area you know, right. lobby kind of interior spaces in that way. So there's a lot of similarities with that exception. So of course, in industrial, you would see exterior building signage, you know, at the front of a space, there could be some signage criteria. Mm-hmm. There could also be bay numbers and logos on the front man doors. You know, you might see some window vinyl in industrial, mm-hmm. you might see that a little bit more than, you know, in the office world. And you also see sometimes signage on the exterior loading doors, especially when you get into bigger multi-tenant buildings. Right. Because then you have truck traffic in the back and it's like, okay, what bay door is is this driver trying to get to? (laughs) So they often number them, but some groups want to have their logo there as well. So you can see it in the back and on the man doors as well Mm -hmm. in the back. So it's easy for them to find where they're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes in industrial too, a little less common, but there can be pylon signage. So in the case of cost, that would be the one type of signage that you might run into an additional monthly cost would be, again, the pylon Mm -hmm. opportunities. Again, if it's illuminated or what that sign looks like. But otherwise, building signage is similar to office where it's at a tenant's cost. Mm -hmm. They have to get approvals. Mm -hmm. They need to pay for it to go up and pay for it to come down. Right. That makes sense. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Lorray, for the industrial color. And I hope that our listeners have found this information helpful. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you have any questions or comments for us or ideas about what you'd like to hear, feel free to reach out. You can find us at hello at scoutrealestate.ca. You can find us on LinkedIn. We're easy to find under Scout Real Estate or ourselves individually. And we're always happy to chat. We're available to talk and help. Yes. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, everybody.